The industry focuses on forklift safety, the top university supply chain programs, and new applications for 5G technologies. Pull up a chair and join us as the editors of DC Velocity discuss these stories, as well as news and supply chain trends on this week's Logistics Matters podcast. Hi, I'm Dave Maloney. I'm the Group Editorial Director at DC Velocity. Welcome. Logistics Matters is sponsored by Right Height. How are you helping to keep your workers on the dangerous drive approach safe? Approach view from Right Height detects backing motion in the drive approach and presents an immediate clear, audible, and visual warning to pedestrians in front of the loading dock. For more information, visit righthight.com. That's R-I-T-E-H-I-T-E dot com. As usual, our DC Velocity senior editors Ben Ames and Victoria Kickham will be along to provide their insights into the top stories of this week. But to begin today, warehouses can be dangerous places anytime when safety is ignored. And that's why the material handling industry stresses proper training and safe practices in the workplace. Each year, the Industrial Truck Association, which represents forklift manufacturers and affiliated products, sets a day aside to discuss safe practices, calling it National Forklift Safety Day. It happens next week in Washington, D.C. and around the country. To find out more, I spoke with Jonathan Dolly, president and CEO of Keon North America and the chair of this year's National Forklift Safety Day. Here is our conversation. Welcome, Jonathan. It's great to have you with us on Logistics Matters. Thank you very much. Safety has always been a prime design consideration for forklift manufacturers, but accidents do happen. Can you talk about what are some of those common accidents involving forklifts? Sure, absolutely. Um, I always categorize them in, in really in three ways. Uh, you know, first is you have impacts, uh, impact uh, of another vehicle, impact uh, which is a collision with uh, maybe equipment within a facility uh, or the facility itself. And you have those that are involve second uh, overloading, uh, which could involve even tipping of a machine. Uh, on one axis or another. And then you have uh, injury, uh, which could uh, be self-injury uh, related to utilizing the equipment or injury of others. So kind of three main categories. Now, forklifts have gotten much safer in design over the years with stability systems and many other things. And obviously, as I mentioned, that's the main focus of design is to make sure that, that workers are safe while doing the job. So what are the things and different ways that the industry is addressing safety in the design aspect? I look at it, I guess, it really in two areas. Uh, I would say core uh, to the equipment, things like stability systems. And in those stability systems, uh, different manufacturers have different ways of doing the same thing. Uh, some have actual mechanical hydraulic actuation. Uh, others have neoprene blocks or rubberized type material blocks uh, attached to the axles to keep machines from tilting one direction or another. Um, and then paired with those devices can also be onboard software. Uh, and that logic uh, can support active curve control, the speed cornering, so aligning uh, speed uh, vectoring uh, to help the machine slow uh, in the event that a machine is going around a corner too fast, for example. Um, and then also just even the core design of the center of gravity of the machine. Uh, so a lot of care is put into that, uh, of course. So I would really kind of categorize those, those three buckets. 
Uh, and then there's auxiliary technology uh, or advanced capabilities, which are now being not only put in by manufacturers themselves, but also by third parties. And that would cover areas such as telematics. And inside of telematics, you have the opportunity for impact sensing, for zone control, speed control. Um, and then you also have systems around collision avoidance, uh, which can use uh, different technologies for obstacle detection, uh, also deploying zone control, uh, and uh, making sure that we know who's operating machines and in what zones they're allowed to be in. Uh, and then also giving alerts to not only the individual driving the machine, but even alerts to pedestrians through offboard um, alert systems uh, that can be held with the pedestrian themselves to make sure that they're safe and that they're alerted to uh, any potential collisions. And those are all great technologies that are manufactured into the machines, but it's obviously going to take more to ensure a safe environment. How does the, the dealer network that you have within your company and other forklift manufacturers work to ensure that there's proper safety and training that's going on within facilities so that employees know safe operations around forklifts? Um, our dealer networks throughout the industry um, spend a decent amount of time engaging customers. Uh, of course, we, we get to see many different types of applications in the material handling industry, right? Anybody that's moving any type of product is, of course, where we spend our time. So uh, we get to see, you know, every shape and size of, of operations. And with that, uh, we get to see the, the good and the bad that's going on inside of operations. And uh, our sales resources, consultants, uh, tend to speak with customers about needs that they're seeing in operations and that, that their dealership in particular can support them with uh, enhanced training and consulting. Uh, and that can cover areas such as uh, operator training on lift trucks, uh, to establishing uh, better communications within a facility, uh, you know, whether it be visualization of messaging, signage, uh, planning out routes within the facility, and actually mapping those down on the floor uh, to establish clear routing uh, in uh, pedestrian lanes, in, in uh, forklift traffic lanes, to different types of training activities um, that, that we can just simply support uh, with operations resources within, whether it be a warehouse or a manufacturing facility uh, to help them improve safety. And, and, and in some cases, it's simply coming in to do an audit that is more of a custom designed audit for the facility. And then to come back with uh, recommendations. And again, it may be touch training, communications, uh, cultural aspects around putting accountability uh, tools in place to help management be more successful in you know, really holding an entire culture together because uh, it's not just certainly about you know, those physical placements of messaging uh, or uh, walkways or you know, barriers um, that, that uh, we are certainly willing to sell, um, but it's also about you know, consulting that we can bring to an application to help them put the right you know, culture and management capabilities in place to keep that facility safe. Right, so it's really about creating awareness and that culture of safety within your customers. And speaking of that, a kind of an awareness, uh, every year the Industrial Truck Association and the forklift industry holds a national forklift safety day. It'll be next week in Washington, D.C. and around the country. 
Can you talk a little bit about how National Forklift Safety Day first originated? Sure. Um, it was really driven, uh, you know, by the by the Industrial Truck Association to help raise awareness related specifically to operator training. Of course, damage with equipment and you know risks associated with injury, you know, have existed. You know, whether it be construction equipment or, or material handling equipment, you know, anybody operating powered equipment can be a, a dangerous environment either around them or operating them. And, you know, with injuries occurring, certainly the, the association and the industry wanted to do something to just simply raise awareness. And uh, it was this mechanism of, uh, you know, putting a, a very, I guess, a public relations oriented push to get the message out uh, that, that really drove this. Um, so it's been in place for now a number of years. Yeah, I believe this will be the ninth year that will be observed. And so what's actually going to be happening Monday and Tuesday in Washington? Yeah, absolutely. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll kick off uh, looking at an, an overall uh, agenda that is uh, we'll have a gentleman from OSHA joining us to talk about uh, safety, uh, the improving safety environment uh, that's being driven by uh, OSHA regulations uh, and uh, training resources that exist. Um, we will talk about how to build a, an effective safety culture. Uh, a gentleman from Crown will be joining us. Uh, and then uh, I'll be spending some time talking about uh, kind of an overview of uh, technology and our equipment uh, that can help make operations more safe, about how to build an effective safety culture and really supplementing the, the information with that. Uh, and then we'll have a gentleman from Dematic talking further and more deeply about automation uh, and how to leverage automation uh, to make an environment more safe. But also with the rise of automation and technology, you know, environments are seeing different dynamics than they've ever seen before. And, uh, and so uh, Lauren will be spending some time to talk about how an operation needs to react to having more automation in it and, and how the culture needs to shift and change uh, to, to adapt with that. That sounds like a great lineup. And I know that the Tuesday morning portion will be streamed live from the National Press Club in Washington. How can people uh, tune in to the, to the live presentation? Absolutely. So they can uh, simply visit the Industrial Truck Association website. Uh, that website is indtrk.org backslash national-forklift-safety-day. Uh, that's a mouthful there, but uh, just simply visiting the Industrial Truck Association.org, look for the link to the National Forklift Safety Day, and click on register now, and they will uh, be able to get to that uh, registration pretty easily. That's great. So in addition to being live in Washington, people will be there, but you can also tune in remotely through that link and see the live stream. Now, in addition to this, I, I know that there are other activities planned throughout the country among your dealer networks and other people associated with the industry. Can you share a little of some of what will take place? So the uh, the first thing is we've we've been partnered with uh, DC Velocity, and uh, with that, we're really attempting to drive a media relations activity to increase the number of impressions and thereby uh, the awareness of the market related to forklift safety. Uh, since 2000, in 2014, we had uh, 20 million impressions, um, and uh, by 2020, we had over 100 million impressions. So 
I think very, very good progress on that front. Um, we can enhance that and continue driving that through our dealer networks. Uh, and we've seen some very good engagement across the entire industry, having open houses at dealers, inviting customers in uh, to participate in activities that exist at the dealer that day, um, hosting free operator training, whether on-site at a customer location or on-site at the dealer location. Um, and many dealers and other and, and manufacturers have developed customized safety materials specifically for National Forklift Safety Day uh, to help drive that messaging. And sometimes that material ends up making its way into customer facilities as part of the, the standard publications that are shown throughout the facility to drive communications. Uh, and so uh, not only has this really blossomed throughout the US, but we've also now seen National Forklift Safety Day type activities popping up in Japan, China, United Kingdom, Australia. So this is really taking on a kind of a global opportunity uh, to help drive overall safety across, across the world. As I mentioned, this is the ninth year. So to wrap up our conversation, have you noticed any change since National Forklift Safety Day began to now in, in the number of reduced injuries or greater awareness for safety within the industry? Well, I think overall, certainly the awareness has been in driven, um, and uh, and I would say in general, what we're seeing is more and more customers making safety a priority. Um, certainly, as as part of the the KPIs and measurements of organizations' health and safety uh, through overall OSHA activities, that's being driven through uh, more federal. Uh, mandates and also increased focus of employers on the, on the wellness of, of employees in total. But certainly with the overall being 100 million impressions being driven through the work of the Industrial Truck Association and its partnership with DC Velocity, uh, really believe that we are making an impact, uh, helping to drive uh, in tandem with these other uh, federal type activities are also going on to, to bring the overall awareness. And uh, I think we're seeing more and more customers looking for the support of the industry. They're looking for equipment that has basic levels of standard safety capability to it. And now we're seeing a significant enhancement in a request for advanced technology to be on equipment as well to improve overall safety of our customers. Some great results there. We've been talking with Jonathan Dolly. He's president and CEO of Keon North America and also the chair of this year's National Forklift Safety Day. Thank you, Jonathan. We really appreciate you being with us today. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. Now let's take a look at some of the other supply chain news from the week. And we have many very good universities in the United States with outstanding supply chain programs. And Victoria, you wrote this week about the latest rankings of those programs. What more can you tell us? Absolutely, Dave. Yeah. So as you say, supply chain education was in the news this week. Uh, the analyst group Gartner released its biennial top 25 North American supply chain undergraduate programs report. Uh, Gartner announced the report at its annual supply chain symposium and expo, which was held earlier this week in Orlando. So just for a bit of background on the report, um, Gartner says it's designed to help chief supply chain officers, heads of supply chain strategy and human resources departments 
identify the kinds of programs that are best equipped to support um, their growing needs for talent. Um, it's really a way for those um, business leaders to check out the programs, the kinds of students they're turning out and so forth, and to really see about building a pipeline of logistics and supply chain employees. The report evaluates programs on a range of criteria, of course. Um, it includes the curriculum, things like experiential learning opportunities, and um, more recently, diversity, equity, and inclusion, or DEI, aspects. Final placement on the list is based on, uh, they come up with a composite score uh, for, of three categories, the program scope, industry value, and program size. For the first time this year, the ranking includes 100% online programs, and that's in addition to the hybrid and on-campus programs that are more uh, typical. 55 institutions in Canada and the United States participated in the survey, and the list was whittled down to, as you say, the top, and is the top 25 programs in the report. So who tops the list? Right, that's the, that's the big question, right? So the top program is at the University of Arkansas, which also ranked number one in 2020. Rounding out the top five were the University of Tennessee, followed by University of South Carolina, Auburn University, and Rutgers University. Our listeners can get the full list by checking out our story on both the DC Velocity and Supply Chain Quarterly news pages online. Um, and I believe there'll also be a link uh, to it in the podcast notes um, for this episode. So those are the top five. There are 20 more. You can check out the others. I also wanted to mention that um, this, is a, this is a full report, and there, you can get the link to that as well. Um, and the research this year revealed a number of changes in the higher education landscape over the past two years. We've seen many changes um, all over the place, of course. And one thing they mentioned is that curricula have standardized across most programs. And as a result, supply chain leaders um, can really start looking to other factors when trying to find the best education partner um, for their organization. I mentioned experiential learning and DEI initiatives, but there are also other factors like location and cost of the program and that kind of thing. Gartner also found that many programs are developing a stronger focus on sustainability and risk management, two issues we've uh, talked about a lot here um, that are growing in importance in the industry. So those are things that organizations may be interested in focusing on as well. So a nice look at some of the, uh, some of the great uh, supply chain uh, undergraduate degree programs out there. Yeah, and it's certainly good to know that there's much more interest in supply chains at the university level and appears that the industry will be in good hands in the future. Thanks, Victoria. Absolutely. You're welcome. And Ben, you wrote this week about some real-life applications for 5G technologies in the warehouse. Can you explain more? Yeah, I did. This was an interesting one. Uh, we've heard a lot of hype about fifth-generation or 5G wireless for data and phone networks in recent years. And uh, if you watch you know, TV at, at all, uh, you know, providers like T-Mobile and Verizon are filling the air with uh, TV ads about you know, their new service and their coverage. Uh, 5G is supposed to have much greater bandwidth and shorter delays than the 3G and 4G technology that uh, most of us usually use. Uh, although one interesting drawback is that 5G typically has less range from each antenna, uh, which is sort of an interesting detail. But what we don't, don't really know yet is exactly what all that means for logistics. And this week, we finally learned some details about that. Uh, so there's another one of those 5G network providers, AT&T, said it was working with the Department of Defense to demonstrate what they call a smart warehouse project at a Navy base in California. So this was a demo at a place called Naval Base Coronado in San Diego. 
and AT&T installed there uh, a private 5G network. Uh, so that's just for the facility or the you know geographical site there. And they said that it's supporting applications uh, like virtual reality, video surveillance, artificial intelligence, and cybersecurity. So those are significant because uh, from the Defense Department's point of view, uh, the DOD wants to increase the efficiency and the fidelity of their logistics operations, including identification, recording, organization, storage, retrieval, transportation of material, all the stuff that uh, we cover on a daily basis here at the magazine. And uh, in addition, some future applications the DOD pointed to would apply to smarter operations and better asset visibility. Ben, did AT&T explain how faster wireless service can reach those goals? Well, so this is still a trial or a demo of the potential of 5G, uh, but they did describe exactly how, to your question, that the faster speeds and bandwidths uh, could help uh, in, in some of the real-life demos that they're running there. Uh, so they've cited five examples. Uh, one is using that virtual reality and augmented reality uh, for maintenance and prototyping and other op applications in the building. The second one, uh, they achieved, they installed some high definition video surveillance and using digital or internet protocol cameras. Uh, so you, they can access those camera feeds uh, you know, from any camera and any computer that's placed on that private network. The third one was the artificial intelligence and machine learning, uh, because that, that kind of computing really needs some serious uh, you know, processing power that's in the cloud. But with the 5G, they can extend that uh, processing from the cloud to the network's edge in order, and otherwise, um, you know, with, with the actual devices and sensors that we hold in our hands. You know, to support um, th that, they, they talked about a demo uh, where they showcased real-time recognition and classification of these plastic elbows that were on a moving conveyor belt. Uh, so you, you need a lot of computing to do that, but thanks to the fast wireless um, that they could deliver it. Um, and the last two were using artificial reality to support more advanced put and pick technology. Um, again, this is the daily stuff that we report on in DCs, um, and it, they could have it be more accurate and uh, reduce processing time. Uh, the DOD wants to integrate that type of approach in the future with uh, robotic material movers. I, I assume that's um, sort of a, an AMR, like the robots that we write about, uh, and smart storage devices. And finally, they talked about cybersecurity. So uh, the 5G supports something called zero trust architecture and micro segmentation encryption. Uh, you know, the technolo technological terms here, but uh, but if you have the higher bandwidth, um, you know, you, you can have uh, a bit better encryption and privacy for all those connected devices, uh, particularly important, of course, in the military world, uh, but also in the corporate world. So, you know, in, in real applications, obviously every warehouse might have its own kind of demands and business models for ways to use the new technology, but uh, it was neat to see some specific examples to back up the big promises that the industry has been making. Yeah, definitely. And Hopefully those technologies will really impact our future applications. Let's hope they pan out. Thanks, Ben. Yep, glad to do it. We'll be following it. We encourage listeners to go to dcvelocity.com for more on these and other supply chain stories. And check out the podcast notes section for some direct links on the topics that we discussed today. And our thanks again to Jonathan Dolly of Keon North America and the Industrial Truck Association for being our guest today. We welcome your comments on this topic and our other stories. 
you can email us at podcast at dcvelocity.com. We also encourage you to subscribe to Logistics Matters at your favorite podcast platform. Our new episodes are uploaded each Friday. And speaking of subscribing, we encourage you to check out our sister podcast series, Supply Chain in the Fast Lane, co-produced by the Council of Supply Chain Management Professionals and Supply Chain Quarterly. You can get Supply Chain in the Fast Lane wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. And a reminder that Logistics Matters is sponsored by Right Height. How are you helping to keep your workers on the dangerous drive approach safe? Approach View from Right Height detects backing motion in the drive approach and presents an immediate, clear, audible, and visual warning to pedestrians in front of the loading dock. For more information, visit rightheight.com. That's rightheight.com. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Logistic Matters, so be sure to join us. Until then, have a great week.